0: Off the ball The last battle In the Ronaldo-Messi war Mm. was that World Cup And uh, Ronaldo lost it And then then he ended up At like An al Massa. Subscribe now To the OTB Football Podcast stream Wherever you get your podcasts And download The OTB Sports app Gaelic Football On Off the Ball With AIB Proud sponsors Of the GAA Senior Football Championship Check out Hashtag The Toughest For More
1: now you're welcome back so let's talk some GEA very happy to say Colin Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan are joining us as the least punitive group stages in world sport are drawing to a close so in group one to give you the headline news Mayo are officially qualified Cork and Kerry on two points Loud on no points Uh, gave a decent account of themselves in Castle Bar so Kerry if they want to top group one they would need Cork to beat Mayo to take top spot they play Loud they're Kerry in the final round. Group two, Galway already through, Armagh and Tyrone are on two points each, Westmeath still on zero points. Group three, kind of interesting, Roscommon and Dublin both on three points, Kildare and Sligo both on a point each. Now Dublin play Sligo next, Roscommon play Kildare. There's a very good chance that Kildare and Sligo will both lose, uh, meaning it will come down to points difference. Kildare are a point better off than Sligo as things stand, but um, it would mean one of the two, Kildare or Sligo, would progress without any wins in Group 3. And then Group 4, Derry and Monaghan on three points, Donegal on two points, and then Clare no points. Clare officially out. So Derry, Monaghan three points, and Donegal two points is where we are. Colum Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan, like I said, are with us. There was a degree, column where I think most people's instinct at the outset of these uh, group stages was that three from uh, four was a little too generous, but let's see how it all plays out. I think um, in a bid to avoid dead rubbers at all costs, we have created a kind of limbo, which is just not capturing the imagination.
0: No, 100% sure. And I think it's it's highlighted by the fact that what Kildare or Sligo there's a possibility they're going to get out of the group as you mentioned there with uh, two defeats and a draw, which is which is ridiculous, really, you know. So it's not capturing the imagination for a couple of reasons, really. I think people are still trying to figure this format out. I think the quality of the football and the fare that's been on offer has been so so poor. Even though to be fair there were some decent games at the weekend, um, but I think overall it's it it it's been really, really poor people are putting the, the low crowds at the weekend down to the weather maybe that was a factor as well you know like I was in Casa Bar on Sunday Joe at the mayo Lau game and like Mayo's home support is, is normally really really good and I, I think the Mayo-Galway game on the 29th of January there was over 14,000 people at it you know that's a league game on a Saturday night in January Last Sunday, a championship game, which is effectively a game to try and get you through to a quarterfinal. There was 11,500 people there. So something's not quite right there. And I know people are saying the weather, other things for doing, bank holiday weekend. And yes, you factor all that in. But I think when you go around the country and round the grounds, you know what I mean? A lot of empty seats, a lot of empty stadiums. And it leads to poor atmosphere, poor games. And we're getting an awful lot of that, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Like I think down the GA were burned by the Super 8s and there are, you know, John Fogarty for instance reminded me in 18 and in 19 Dublin won their first two games and then they put out effectively um, second string sides against Roscommon and Tyrone. So it's like they really got into their minds don't want dead rubbers, don't want dead rubbers. And so the headline news ahead of the final round is well 15 of 16 teams are still alive and they are like in theory but they're not really. I mean, loud will have to beat Kerry at a neutral venue. I don't know if that's capturing the imagination realistically. Uh, Westmead will have to go and beat Tyrone. Again, I don't think that's really capturing people. Kildare Sligo potentially through with um, one point and two defeats. Doesn't feel right. And then in Group 4, Claire are out already. So we have kind of... A a dead rubber in a sense there, there's nothing to play for. Whereas if it was only two through from group four, you'd effectively have a knockout game between Donegal and Monaghan this weekend. Instead, Clare out. It's just a bit of jostling for position. So like this, this kind of 15 of 16 still in it, everything is still to play for selling point. It feels like fairly hollow PR next to the reality. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. Um,
2: Look, I suppose with the new format, it was always going to be a bit of trial and error, and um, probably a bit more error this year. Um, but yeah, like you like you said, if there's only two to go through, it leaves an awful lot to play for. All of a sudden, Kerry's game against Cork the weekend there's even more pressure on that, and whether they can change it for next year, I don't know. Um, there's so many changes every year that comes in; it's hard to keep track of. Them. But a lot of it is just tweaks. All of a sudden, the Super Eight actually. Teams very appealing. Um and that got a, that got a, enough abuse. Um but yeah, like it is a small tweak. If it was only two teams to go through, all of a sudden there's some great games. Um, and look, you know, that's what it that's what it's all about. I suppose we wanted this, we wanted more games, but it's probably too many games, um and like you said, too many games that were pretty much meaningless. So, look, it is a bit of tweak and we won't go too mad about it because, look, we've we've been crying out for change. They were never going to get it right initially. Mm. um, And that's what it's about. It's about a bit of trial and error. We we want all these games. The players want the games. But next year, it'll be about making a bit more cutthroat, I suppose, and um, making more of the games meaningful.
1: Yeah. Like, I've seen the argument Colin made and I, I do get the logic that three from four going through it will pretty much ensure that all you know the the big teams they won't get caught out in the hop they'll make it through we'll have a fairly stacked quarter final which will really look great on paper and that's a fair argument I suppose there's a degree here of geez, like we really are eating all our vegetables first here I just wouldn't mind a bit of salt on things I don't mind one or two big names going out early if it gives a bit of juice to May or June you know
0: and Joe, look, we spoke about this last week. This is exactly what the championship needs. It almost needs a bit of life thrown into it by a big team going out of it. And it would be it would be great if that was in the in in two weeks' time. You know, because a lot of the football has been so so passive, and I think it's been passive because teams are just I'm not saying they're not going for the course they are. But it's not do or die. It's not cutthroat, it. and that's why we're seeing so much pedestrian style football. I think, like Darren said the, the counter-argument that is I suppose you mentioned Darren mentioned Cork and Kerry there like the way this system is it's almost bulletproof for the top 6 or 7 teams to get to a quarter-final and it's so so difficult for the likes of a, a Cork like Cork bet loud on the first day they could have beaten Cork or sorry beaten Kerry and Porky Queeve last Saturday which would have been a huge huge result and it still might only get them into a playoff because if Mayo bet them in the last weekend so there's not, there's something not right with that either it's very hard for a team like Cork to make a breakthrough as well so I think there's a there's a balance to that and it works it works both ways
1: Let's uh, pick our way through some of the games you mentioned your Castle bar column for Mayo 14 points Loud won 10 this game was on TV so I suspect plenty of people have seen it Loud scored a late goal and a point to sharpen up the scoreboard and for a moment I think um, even in commentary the thought was they'd equalise but uh, there was a, a mistake on the scoreboard. So it turned out they got to within a point. So Louth gave a very decent um, account of themselves. Uh, we're back, column to the conversation we had after Mayo's defeat to Roscommon. They, of the top teams, have a problem of sorts. How, how great it is, I don't know. We can tease that out now. But they certainly don't love breaking down a blanket defence.
0: No, Joe. Um, yeah, we'll probably as well get this one out of the way first. Um, it was uh, it was the Gaelic football version of the Europa League final last week between <laughs> between Roma and Sevilla. And uh, M- Mickey Hart was certainly Josie M- Mourinho in this case. It was it was dour, dour stuff. Yeah. But look, loud, loud did what they had to do. They came to McHale Park with uh, a game plan around containment, frustration, frustrating Mayo staying in the game for as long as they could and possibly coming at the end to maybe maybe take the game or steal the game and they almost did it to their credit Mm. you know you mentioned Mayo not being able to break them down and they weren't for long spells but to be honest on the 73rd minute Joe Mayo were 14-9 up and I think if that game finishes 14-9 and they don't concede 1-1 in the last 90 seconds you know or minute I think people's perception of the game might be slightly different and they might say look it was awful stuff to watch Mayo did what they had to do they won it comfortably for a finish you know they pulled away when it mattered job done away you go but then they concede that 1-1 one, one, and you know I think people are thinking a small bit different about, about Mayo now at the minute which which is fine you know yeah. I, I don't think Kevin McStay would be overly worried about that but they did there's no doubt about it find it hard to break loud down and you could visibly see there was frustration in the players faces there was actually frustration on the sideline as well. Kevin McStay, who's normally very cool, there was a Jack Carney had a had a shot one time from a mark that I thought it looked wide, but McStay was was adamant that it was over, and he was he was really going for it with the with the linesman. I think that was just a symbol of the frustration of the day and and not being able to break loud down. The, the, the key thing for me, I think Mayo all week would have spoken about getting out of the blocks early, a fast start, get out in front of loud, don't give them chance to breathe, and they do that. They're three points, they're three nil up after five minutes but they only scored four minutes, or sorry, four points then for the rest of the half. And Loud really gets set in their defensive structure. And Mayo never really were able to get their shooters on the ball, the Ryan O'Donoghue's, the James Carr, Aidan O'Shea's, around the D. Or myself and Darren were speaking beforehand, shooting over that press and getting scores from 45 metres out, out the way you know, Mayo never really tried any of those efforts and, you know, they were never chipping away at the scoreboard. Everything was always really, really hard work and the scores were hard to come by and that's why it left it so tight at the end. And Louth had a massive goal chance, uh, Joe, at the start of the second half, right? but Leonard Gray, if that goes in, because McHale Park was already getting edgy at this stage, if if that goes in, it's a huge, huge moment. It's a brilliant ball over the top by Liam Jackson to to Leonard Gray. Colin Reap hesitates, then comes for it and in, ends up making a big, big save, put it off the bar. If that had gone in, it would have been a really nervy second half for Mayo. In the end, it was it was a win, but look, if you're Kevin McState, you would have taken two wins from two and on you go to the court game. Chance to win it now to, to be guaranteed a quarter-final.
1: Yeah, because in Monaghan Clare actually, we saw lots of great long-range scoring and I yeah. would have thought conditions would have allowed for it, but uh, my defining memory, Darren, of the game is Mayo extremely lateral.
2: Yeah, and like Cullen mentioned, the atmosphere, um, and that into the players too when they, you can feel the crowd getting antsy. Sometimes there's that bit of fear that you don't want to go for the long distance point because all you get is the the groan, the disappointment, and the, the lateral football at the moment. That we won't drag it out too much, but that's what it is. It's people are afraid to take the chance, um, and the pace goes out of the game. Once you take the pace out of the game, it's very easy to to defend against, and you need fellas coming off the shoulder obviously you have to do that smart if there's so many bodies in front of you you can't do it Um, but it is you're seeing it more and more often in most games where teams are probably prepared for what they're going to come up against that they know they have to get their kickers into that quarterback position coming out kicking over the press obviously when you get it it's brilliant they start pushing out that bit more spaces open up but if they start drifting wide the crowd get more antsy players get a bit more nervous they don't want to be the one kicking it and it just it just gives more energy to the opposition so look it is something that I think a lot of teams will be working on but as myself and Cullen were saying off air I think once you get to Crow Park and you get to the, I say some of the bigger teams that will go out the window a small bit there will be less fear I think teams will be concentrating more on their own job and less of this blanket defence or deep defending um, a lot harder to do that in Crow Park as well and um, so I think that'll bring it out but obviously if you can get a couple of shooters on the ball early days, kick it over the press it kind of reduces that straight away because the team has to push out and has to attack
1: Yeah, I mean I guess there are a few ways to beat a blanket defence and, and we'll come to Derry in a moment, they have a whole range of options it seems but Colm you know, yourself or Lee Keegan you could beat a man, a bit of pace, that would help it was interesting, you wouldn't have heard it really Colm if you were at the game but Paul Flynn was on commentary in RTE and I think, you know, uh, inadvertently he was just giving us the Dublin method to break down a blanket and in effect it was, look, he was almost saying this is pretty simple, you know, this this shouldn't be that complicated. He was saying, in effect, you go down one touchline, you take a bunch of opposition defenders, you suck them in, you suck them in, you suck them in, invariably they'll come over and then pretty quickly spread the play black out you got runners coming through the middle shooting through and you either keep switching play or one of the runners will pick it off and come through with a pace and he's like he said you know almost mathematically you will get a shot off like it's it's just a matter of time and it it won't take overly long um whereas Mayo were just back and forth at a very slow pace so i don't know um that that's i mean Flane and Dublin have done it for years so that struck me as um advice worth heeding I, I i couldn't see an obvious method in Mayo like I couldn't see oh, this this is the pattern that they're definitely trying to break Loud down with
0: No from been at the game Joe I think what you're saying is right they never really look to probe them corners come back around and, and move it to the other side what they were doing an awful lot was their half back line, their midfielders would actually end up being their furthest men forward they were trying to drag the Loud blanket back towards their own goal and try and create a bit of space for a shooter around the D but it wasn't really happening I think the only really time it was successful was Stephen Cohen actually made a run for the D he was being tracked he comes back around and ends up showing for the ball himself and getting a mark at the end of the first half and kicking it over the bar but that was the only really time that that worked everything else was slow and predictable. And you, make, you mentioned about pace there from the half-back line. I was I was surprised, and obviously you don't know what's going on with injuries, but I was surprised Paddy Durkin didn't start and De didn't start for them two exact reasons that you're talking yeah. about. Because they would inject that pace from the back, from the middle of third. And all you need is for a couple of line breaks like that and suddenly things open up for you and it becomes a lot more difficult for the opposition. So I think going forward, I think that's certainly an area Mayo be uh, looking at. They need to be injecting that pace, but certainly moving the ball quicker as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I know, Darren, I, I agree with you. We don't want to drag it out too much, um, but the, the style of play that we're seeing at the moment, uh, it, it, like I watched this Mayo-Leal game, it was just painful. It just is. I like, And no one can tell me it's intriguing or fascinating or tactical. It's, it's just really slow Um and like if you think even tiki-taka at it's worst at least a ball being passed along the ground 5-10 yards there's a bit of zip to that and there's a creation of angles there's a bit of something going on whereas like in GAA it is just a player in possession trotting 10 metres and then his opposite or his, his his teammate jogging the opposite way and he might pop it to him and he trots another 15 metres and I mean I don't know some people listen to their podcast at one and a half speed Like, that's the only way to watch some of this. Um, I saw Colm Collins. He was saying, uh, What we need to address is these long periods where possession has been held. If we can address that, we still have a fine product. I'm not the smartest man in this area. Something like a shot clock, maybe. That was Colm Collins, a manager. That was just one suggestion. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but like, players are too skillful. They're too organized now. They've too much composure. uh, They don't, they respect possession. Like, this is, this problem's here to stay. And I, I, I think the rulemakers makers may have to jump in here.
2: Yeah, I think so. But I think when you're describing any game as intriguing or tactical, that's another way of saying it was
1: boring. That's what I mean. I'm not uh, swallowing that anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, I, yeah. like, I'll, I'll listen to a political discussion that's intriguing. Yeah. Um, no, like, I think he's right.
2: Like, I'd probably be drawing the same line as he is. I don't have the answer um, because I suppose teams are doing nothing wrong and the way they see it is possession is key and eventually a team will have to come up, but it is boring. It's uh, like I watched three games on Saturday and the Saturday game, and I was I was, I was worn out from you. It's where I played in the games. I was exhausted from watching it. Um, but it is. It's boring, yeah. and play, players, are, players are very athletic. They'll do that all day. They're very comfortable on the ball, but they do need to change something. They're on all these rule changes. It has to be something that a shot clock or if you go over the halfway line, you can't go back like in basketball or whatever it is. But if you don't bring pace to the game, as Colin was saying about the lads, Durkin and Hessian coming on and pace, you're going nowhere. And it's the easiest thing in the world to defend against. And all it takes is one one person to have a bit of bravery, try and break the line, come at pace, and somebody come off the shoulder. It sounds simple, as Paul Flynn was making it sound. But you have to take a chance. You have to be brave with it. I just think fellas are so obsessed with possession and stats and not having turnovers next to our name there's a fear there i don't want to be the one to lose the ball i don't want to be the one having a wide from 40 yards and think i wasted possession we're starting again but like all the tactics in the world i just like a bit of off the cuff football go go on gut go on feeling and it sounds a bit simple and basic and old school or whatever like but have to change something because yeah. it is. Like you could watch a fella go over five yards, hand pass, over to the sideline, back over again, and it's so
1: one pace. And under under so no possible. pressure as well. Under no pressure. Because
2: the defensive team are thinking, This is great, we'll save our energy here. We'll I'll trot five yards over, my man will trot
0: five yards over and it's I don't know, it's like it's like doing a bit of a dance in front of each other really. And um, I- I- I think whatever, I, and I agree, lads. I think something needs to be done. But I think, I think whatever it is, it has to be very, very. Uh, we have to be careful with it because we have to consider the club game as well mm-hmm. and how a referee is going to manage at club level with a shot clock. Like it'd be impossible, really, mm-hmm. Uh so much.
1: You, 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 I presume neither of you, column, you can go for. You would never advocate different rules at intercounty and in club level. That's like the ethos of the GA completely ruined if you did go down that route.
0: Yeah, I look at it, I suppose you could Joe you could but I don't think would it be sustainable I, I don't know um, obviously shot clock you get away with at inter-county level you get away with holding a certain amount of players in the one half at inter-county level because everyone is mic'd up there's absolutely no way that'd work at a, at a club level. It'd be, it'd be chaos a club championship game yeah. in, in that way. So maybe that could be a solution. Maybe introduce different ga- uh, different rules for intercounty and club. Mm. But look, at that's fair for my deal either. Let's that'd be, be a,
1: That'd be a very sad move to have to make.
0: Yeah, it, it would. Yeah, it would. It'd be terrible. I think. I think Darren's point on and your point, John. Everything being so safe, it's almost like players, coaches are, are mic'd up to them and they're talking them through each play. Pass it to the man beside you and move. You know what I mean? It's almost like the, the coaching is just unbelievable and the lack of risk is is, unbel- is unbelievable in a lot of games. Ho- look, hopefully, Joan, when the jeopardy comes in, maybe things might change slightly and there will be a few more risks taken later on in the Championship.
1: Yeah. And this, by the way, I should emphasise, and I, I presume I'm speaking for both of you as well, this is not to denigrate the players. And like their fitness levels are off the charts. They're playing in 25 degrees heat over the weekend. The commitment is mm. there. They're training year all year round. They're, you know, they are do like loud, for instance, this is not about loud. They are doing what they have to do to be competitive and they were competitive. We're just talking about the overall product, which is, is, is not working. Um, I don't know. I, I <laughs> like if we're at a point where we're saying, Oh well, these group stages aren't great now, but it'll be good when we get to Crow Park and you're saying, Well, you know, the football's not great now, but we'll like we'll we'll get some more risk taken when we get to Crow Park. Like at a certain point, Darren, I want to start living life today you know it was june it was sunny there was football on why can't it be a bit better today you know i know like
2: like you actually cry out for days like that when you're playing like the game is normally electric quick it's like the pace goes up when the wet, when the sun comes out um but i like like it's not a criticism of players anyway because the players have never been better uh, like fitness wise and um, just unbelievable but I always go back to it and I always get um, a bit of abuse on Twitter after about stats. I just think too much information. Genuinely, I think fellas have too much information. Oh, you've ran X amount of K, you had this amount of touches, you lost this amount of... Oh, Jesus. Like you opened their local newspaper and it's gone through every player individually. He had this amount of touches, this amount of kicks, this amount of hand passes, this amount of turnovers, this amount of wides. Like I know, people say they don't read the stuff, they don't look at it, but it's it's that training as well. And I just think the more information you have, the more you think about stuff. And I would have always felt more comfortable on the field, obviously, the tactics and stuff, but play it as you see it. Um, and I think Cullen was saying there, it is like players they hear this stuff so often, yeah. it actually It's like they're coaching through the game.
1: Yeah. And cause I, I, I know, I totally agree because I like I, I wouldn't blame the defending team here. I like it's the, the attacking team. I even feel now, Darren when say uh, there's a turnover and there's like the sniff of a counter-attack and maybe we can segue into Derry in a moment because they will have a counter-attack but I feel even too often Darren there's like a turnover and possession is won and instead of like the team that have just won the ball saying right let's have a crack here it's like the instinct is now it's so embedded I'm going to circle back and I'm going to fist it backwards and we're going to start, we're going to get set again and we're going to start over. And like that's, even that's heartbreaking. Like, I don't know, it can't be the right thing to do every time.
2: No, but like that, at least if there was a turnover in that sense, and let's say load for example, took off. There's a bit of a buzz there, there's a bit there of is. panic, there's a bit of emotion, there's a bit of excitement. Whereas if they turn it over, there's a, a mistake by May or whatever it is. And it's just... All right, they have a note. Slowly does it. But you know, it it's you know, time. it's
1: funny, right, about that point, and 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 this maybe is where we get back to the rules that have to be changed because even at halftime, the analysis allowed was once or twice uh, they they had a turnover, and then it was highlighted that a whole bunch of their players started sprinting forwards, and the point was made. Now, if you're turned over. Nobody's at home, and Mayo are in for a goal, and that happened to them against Dublin off a kick out or two, where you know a couple of loud players bombed on, they lost the kick out, and some, suddenly Dublin were in. So, like the coaching advice there increasingly is going to be, here, listen, don't bomb on, stay back. That's why I, you know, I just feel like there's going to have to be some rule change of some sort. I just don't know what it is.
0: And, yeah. that, and that actually that actually happened Joe twice against Mayo Mayo turned them over around yeah. the middle of the pitch and that was the only real goal chances Mayo had because yeah. loud were wide open yeah. so uh, yeah that's that's an interesting one as well that the, the couple of times where they actually did take off and take a couple of risks they actually uh, got two goal chances out of it or, or conceded two goal chances
1: because what they're doing isn't wrong it's like a failure of teams to break, yeah. break them down I suppose is the problem but I, yeah. I I'd yeah. also appreciate it's hard to break it down
0: yeah, and just to, it came into my head when you were talking there, lads, about turnovers, and I always think of Johnny Gall, two thousand and twelve. Like when they, and this from playing against them, when they made a turnover back in back in your forward line, their defence, it was almost like a score in the crowd. The the buzz, the energy, the cheer it got, and the pace that team broke at. Like that team gets labeled get, that team gets labelled as being very defensive, and Jim McGuinness gets a bit of criticism still now about it. But the pace they broke at was sensational, yeah. and the buzz and the energy. You see very little of that now. It's very much turnover. Okay, controlled. Let your players get up the pitch, Ala Derry, probably last year and and this year. Let your all your players get up the pitch. We'll hold the ball back here till they get up, and now we'll all go and attack.
1: Yeah. Final word to you on this, Darren. Then we'll get talking about some of those other matches in a bit more depth.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. It's a it's a fear thing. Um, like my thing was always fortune favors the brave. But um, if you're too brave, the stats won't look too kindly maybe on you. But look, loud will come away from that game saying we lost to Mayo. Mayo won the favourites to our and We lost by a point. That's progress. Um, you have to play it to your strength. They probably think we're not far enough along the road to compete with this Mayo team. We don't care what anyone says about us. Um, and I can I can totally understand that. Yeah. Teams have to do what suits them. Um, and probably this time next year, they might have evolved as Donegal did back 10 plus years ago. They weren't very appealing the first year and it, they kicked it on the second year. I suppose you have to get your house in order before you can concentrate on the, the forward style of thing. But look, it is a, it's a common team. um, But as Paul Flint said, it is about moving. But I genuinely think you would break any structure down if you add pace.
1: Mm.
2: You need pace, you need runners. Even if I made a run-off column and I didn't get it, I'm drawing eyes to me, which are going away from other players. So it is about just adding pace to the game. If you go back and forth in this one pace, slowly across the field, it doesn't matter if it's their first time on a football field, it'll be easy to, to defend against. But you add pace to something, all of a sudden, there's a bit of worry. One player switches off for a second. and But if you're keeping it too safe it's just going to
1: bored life out of everyone <laughs> I have images of you staring into space on your couch over the weekend wondering what's it all about <laughs> well it was actually worse if I stared into space with grand I was actually watching the cameras from the bar because I wasn't working on Saturday so <laughs> that was more entertaining Uh, we'll take a break and then we'll get into some of the games in a bit more detail we're talking to Darren O'Sullivan and Colin Boyle Gaelic Football on Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship you can check out hashtag the toughest for more back in just one moment
0: Gaelic Football on Off the Ball with AIB proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship check out hashtag the toughest for more
1: now you're back. We're talking G.A. with Colin Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan. I suppose Darren as a bit of a riposte to the fairly grim conversation we were having there just before the ad break. Derry put 3-14 on Donegal and Bally Buffet. So Donegal 1-15, Derry 3-14, the final score. That was 3-11 from play uh, for Derry, often against uh, packed defence. Unlike other sides where it feels like, you know, at times teams are running out of ideas against numbers. With Derry... Oren Lynch uh, coming out of goal and patterns of play and five forwards inside the forward line and runners from deep. It feels like they have a real method and a, and, a, and a good thing going. That was an impressive performance.
3: Yeah, it was. And like from a, before, I get into Derry. Like I was actually delighted to see Donegal put up a bit of a performance with all the negativity around them. Um, but what Derry bring is like when they bring out Oren Lynch out of goal, they're doing it for a reason. It's not just to sole up the field. And so, he's coming as an overlap. Um, as an extra body, make everything a 2v1. And then with the goals, all the goals come from pace, pace and power yeah. and hard runs. It's impossible to stop. Um, We're we comparing GA to every sport with basketball coaches and soccer. But whenever I think of the hard, I always think of uh, runners or inside centers in rugby and the lines that they pick. And I don't care how strong a defender is with any GA player or not with the def- physical strength they all have if you come at the right angle at pace fellas can move their feet quick enough they stick out an arm it's never
1: going to be enough to stop a fella Um, and Derry are doing that and they're creating goals from it Yes Conor Doherty and uh, McCluskey with numbers 4 and 5 in their backs for one of the goals and then the Lachlan Murray the fisted in goal again there was that strong running through the middle column and look you'd know as a defender if Darren's running on a good angle against you and has a soft shoulder then you're in trouble, and it's very hard to stop. Derry seem to manipulate defences and, and 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 generate those kind of moments pretty frequently.
0: They do, in fairness, and I, I think a big plus for Derry at the weekend was they weren't re- reliant on Shane McGuigan to do get the scores come around on the loop. You know, you, you spoke about the boys coming from the back there, breaking lines for their goals. I thought Paul Cassidy was was absolutely brilliant. You know, kick four points from play. I think they eight or nine different scores overall. So I think that's a really good pro- progression for for Derry, and there was a range of scores in that you mentioned there about how they broke the lines, the overlaps. I think Oran Lynch had two hand pass assists, which kind of which kind of sums up the modern game, to be honest. But it was really really good play from Derry, and they they eventually broke Donegal's Gall's resistance down. Darren touched on Donegal Gall there. I I was I was happy as well to see Donegal Gall play well. I actually quite enjoyed this game, Joe, and maybe it was because the bar was set quite so low yeah. over the last couple of weeks. But the one thing I'd say about Donegal Gall is. They had a go at Derry. I think they they could have taken the easy option of sitting back inside their 45 allowing Derry easy possession and let them come and attack them but they they really went after Orrin Lynch's kick out especially in the first half and forced an awful lot of them long and they won i think they won three or four in a row jason McGee got up and plucked a, plucked a few around the middle and what that did joe it just gave them a bit of energy it gave the crowd a bit of energy and they actually had loads of possession like i i think they'd up on 60% possession or something like that which against derry is absolutely huge mm. the thing that was killing them was they couldn't get the scores on the board i think they they had ten wides and so, or something like that in the first half while derry's efficiency was was off the charts i think they had 10 or nine or 10 from 11 or something like that so that so that was that, that was that was really, really positive for Dunny but overall we talked about Derrick Derry in the second half. We they showed how they're such a well oiled machine. Donegal, Gaulle were never going to be able to stick with them, especially with the game plan they have. They they stuck to it and uh yeah, they looked really good in that second half for sure.
1: Ushin Gallon, uh, worthy of honourable mention for Donegal, made his debut mm-hmm. in nineteen, lots of injuries, like he kicked nine points at the weekend, five from play against Chrissy McCaig as well, which is more than McKay gave up in the entire championship last year. So that's a really impressive uh, display from Russian Gallon. On Derry, Darren, last year they pitch up in an All-Ireland semi-final and I had thought based on the way they played for a lot of the year, we were going to see Crow Park suiting their runners down to the ground and they'd be punching holes and, and a real threat. And yet against Galway, they managed 1-6. It was like four points apiece at half-time and their goal came in the 75th minute. It was a real consolation kind of moment so in effect they managed six points across the previous 74 minutes and you remember like the finale played out with Oren Lynch up the pitch and Galway you know trying to score a goal into an empty net and eventually Comer did it was like an odd kind of spectacle yeah. in that sense so I don't know are, are Derry going to get back into a, a quarterfinal semi-final territory surely they're they'll be scoring more than six points in 74 minutes or do you think they'll go for more of the same
3: no I think I think their game is evolving and keep we keep mentioning Donegal 2012. I think there was a bit of that where they're just hey going on, oh, they're on a journey, but they're taking a step by step and they just seem to be kicking on every year, even this year, with the way the lads um came back after club duty straight away. They're just trying to grow them, keep the momentum tipping over. I think they're evolving all the time. Obviously, Kira McFall back in as another big plus. Um They've changed up fellas. Oh McAvoy going into full back. He's freed up a few of the lads. I think they're very dangerous um, this year. I think there'll be more attacking like that. The fact that Shane McGuigan was held to three frees or three scores, two frees the weekend, yet they still still kicked what they did. Yeah. I think is gonna give him a world of confidence. Um the last couple of weeks they were very over reliant on him. Um but I, I genuinely think they're just a team that are evolving with every game. I think this system will suit the likes of them because they just get to fine tune
1: week on week. Because mm. a couple of weeks ago, Colin, we were wondering, well, if your life depended on it, which Ulster side is more likely to go all the way? And quite a few people that weekend said Tyrone when push comes to shove. Would, would you revisit that after that Derry performance? Was it that good?
0: Uh, I think I was one of them that said Tyrone as well, yeah. Joel. Um Maybe my opinion is changing slightly, but the fact that Derry still haven't done that in Crow Park, that might be a slight, you know, until they go and prove that in a quarterfinal or semi final. You know, then we might be able to make a, a better opinion of it. But there's no doubt about it, Joe. They looked really, really good the last day. They were flat two weeks ago against Manham. That was fine after an Ulster final. It was always going to be a tough game for them, considering they, they bet them earlier on in the championship as well. But the last day, they looked slick. They looked really, really slick. I think they'll they'll finish top of the group and they're straight into be in final. And, and no one's going to want to play them then mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Kerry won 14, Cork 15 points. Have they pretty much surrendered the All-Ireland Den and Kerry, Darren? Is that the talk?
3: Um, I came on today going, how can I talk positively about that game? Um, I was saying last week there was a bit of worry and felt we needed a big game. And I thought during the first half there was showing signs, but there's probably more worries after that game, if I'm being honest. Um, I was chatting to a few people and we're all kind of saying, do we need something different? Do we need something new? Just, to-? But I don't think there's anything there for Jack to try.
1: Um, you were saying last week that the subs bench isn't overflowing.
3: No, look, I think a, a lot of lads lads um, that, that have come into the panel this year, I think they were brought on, obviously, off the back of good county championships, but I don't think they were actually brought in thinking that they'd be ready to go this year. Um, had a couple of injuries, a few fellas left the panel, um, and even the fellas who were on the bench last year that got injuries, it's only now we're seeing the effect of that because you lose a few starters and these fellas who you thought might be ready to come in aren't there so the bench is just looking that bit weak, weaker and inexperienced but I just think a lot of it as well I think a lot of the Kerry lads are out of confidence I think there's a bit of doubt in their mind and I think a lot of them haven't been I'm not going to say well criticised really you know doubted um, probably for the first time in their senior careers um, especially the younger lads and they're probably finding it hard um, to try and find that form and you know it's it is all consuming into county ga and that's probably all they're thinking about and they they're going i'm working hard i'm doing this and it's just not working for me sean o'shea had a very good first half the last day but died out of the game in the second half um it, it's it's happening on a regular basis. we just big thing for me is carry not kicking the ball and if you're not kicking the ball you might as well be any other team in the in the country and yeah. um, the pace of the game is slow um Obviously people talk about the over reliance on David Clifford. No, if you want to be over reliant on that someone, you might as well be over reliant on him because <laughs> some of the stuff he's doing. Um it, it's frightening. That's but it's nuts. just his whole attitude. Anytime they need the ball, they need to get something, he's out and he's just demanding it's a case of just give me the ball, leave me do it. Yeah. Um but it is I just and I hear come back to, to David Moore and all the time, and it's not even about catching ball, but his first instinct was always kick. They may kick the ball up, and because they're not doing that, the half forwards are way further back to pitch. There's no link, and it's just slowing the whole. They're having to run it up, not at a, not at great pace either. I must say, it's just slowing it down. And all teams are doing is they're funneling bodies back, mm. probably two or three around David, and unfortunately, like I said, some of the boys are just out of form as well. Um, and obviously, when you're looking for a maybe an impact off the
1: bench, we're just not getting it. Um, it's so funny you say that um, about the kicking because um, I'm paraphrasing Paul Galvin here, and I'll probably misparaphrase him right. But I, I I remember him doing an interview a couple of years ago, and and the gist to what he was saying, give or take, is that when like he looks out for Kerry and how they're playing, you know, he loves to see a fella get a ball, kind of half back territory, maybe not even a hopper a solo like that lovely foot pass that is so Kerry you know it's silky smooth one bounce into a fella's chest and the ball just being moved like you know the, the antithesis to what we're talking about in the first part of the conversation about trotting and hand passing but like that Kerry moving the ball with a bit of vigour and a bit of confidence that against Cork it was um, as you said very mundane by comparison
3: yeah, like, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned this bouncing into a fella. I don't think I ever saw Darragh Shea kick a ball into a fella's chest, but everything was just bouncing outside him, which is, as a forward, his dream, it's almost impossible to mark. Um, but obviously, if you have a fella in the half-back line or midfield and you know all he wants to do is kick, if you're a forward, your first instinct is, oh, Joe has it, I'm going here, yes. he's going to look for me. Whereas when you start thinking, oh, they're going to run it, you're not going to be burning energy running back and
1: forth if you don't think the ball's coming. And it just slows the whole thing down. And and then even if a like fella's fell half considering a kick and there's no movement, it's you know it's like a vicious circle.
3: Yeah, but that's what it is. It, like If you don't anticipate the kick, you don't run. And then if that person does look up then and you're not running, obviously they're not going to kick yeah. it. Um, and you're, it's just, you're, it's and, a and not fun. You're,
1: you're muttering about him and he's muttering about you. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. You're moaning about each another. But a lot of the kicks as well aren't difficult kicks. Like you're not looking at a 60-yard pinpoint into a fella's chest. Like we have a big pitch there. And more often than not, if you get the ball first, it's a 40 bounce bounce pass outside a fella. You can kick it 20 yards outside him. You don't even have to be accurate a lot of the time. But a lot of it is having your first instinct not to be backwards or sideways or I need to take a play which a lot of players like to do I have the ball I might as well show what I can do with it so they hop it and sort of but if your first instinct is to kick it and the players further up the field know that I know it sounds stupid like oh it's a simple game but a lot of times it is it just cuts out so much crap, unnecessary yeah and all the players are well able to do it at every county but a lot of it is that bravery and that Fear of turnovers.
1: I don't want to lose the ball here. Mm. We worked hard enough to get it back. Yes. But it's, it just cuts out all the rubbish. Because, Colin, I'd say, uh, imagine you're marking Darren there and there's 30 yards between you, him, and the touchline and he starts running for the ball into space. You love nothing more than man in possession further up the field not to kick it to him.
0: Oh, absolutely. And um, when you're playing against certain teams, let, let's say Kerry, Dublin. As a halfback, you knew you had to be glued to your man. Their boys were always getting the head up, looking for that pop ball to the half-forward line and starting to attack from there. But there were so many teams you played against you as a halfback. You knew you could drop off your man 10, 15 yards. That ball wasn't coming to your man and you could sit in and protect your full back line. You know what I mean? And, and you, you know certain players in particular that Darren mentioned that won't kick the ball. So there's, there's huge, huge parts of it. On Kerry, just a, an interesting thing I was looking to see, and you know, Darren has mentioned about the kick, and I think he's 100%, just how they were setting up defensively. And the big tactical thing they did, Joe, at halftime was so on Kerry, like they conceded every kick out against Mayo that they changed that wasn't working in the first half. And I was interested to see would that con- they continue that mm-hmm. into the court game and they absolutely did. They pretty much conceded every kick out to the Cork full back line. I think the, yeah, sorry, the Cork full back line and started the pressure from there and slowed the ball down the pitch as much as possible to get a defensive setup, uh, a defensive setup And that's a huge, huge tactical shift for, for, for kerry Joe Not just from last year, but over the last number of years. And I've mentioned this. Yeah,
1: you have. No, you spotted that. so is, And Colomer, is it too simple to say, well, without David Moran, Kerry don't feel as assured at, at winning you know, that long kick-out, and so they're not risking high press, too many up the field, and, and you're in at them. Is that the thinking, do you suspect? Because you, you don't know why... Otherwise, why would they go away from that, that high press, which was so successful?
0: I I think there's a huge part of it, Joe. I don't think there's the confidence there and that they're winning enough for the long-range kick-outs. And I think something that was a huge, huge strength for them... They're now using it, so they're now going away from that to cover up a weakness, which is the weaknesses at the back and the defenders, and maybe enough of their defenders aren't playing well enough on in one-on-one situations at the minute. Yeah. So, uh, so I think there's a lot of that going on I think further down, down the line I'd be interesting. to see is this just a short term thing they're looking at to get them to a quarter final and we we'll change things up then yeah. I think long term that won't suit Kerry I don't think it'll suit them if they're playing a big team in Crow Park and they're conceding huge amounts of possession to them and they're forward to chasing down the pitch so I'd be interested to see is this just a short term fix or is this something they're, they're looking at long term
1: yeah no it's very interesting I- is it easier, Darren, to find your form in a run of games, or do you like that block of three, four weeks, retreat down to the training pitch and we'll we'll cook something up? Now Kerry you don't have a choice here. They've got games.
3: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um sometimes the games you can play yourself into form, but if yeah. your confidence isn't there every game, you're doubting yourself more and more. And sometimes you need to go back into that bubble. And it might only take one transition, session, might be one moment in a transition session all of a sudden you get going and um, it might be a quiet word by one of the lads of training it might be a quiet word by a selector that turns you around it could even be a video session where jack might go and he starts showing clips of last year and a fella be seeing what he was doing last year and it just kind of reignites the fire and gives a bit of confidence before training but definitely i i mentioned confidence earlier and even with Colum talking about the kickouts i think there's a lack of confidence obviously without David in the middle but I just don't think the boys are winning the breaks either so I don't want to put everything on the midfielders yeah, um, because they're never going to catch every ball but we weren't winning breaks either against Mayo and I think that by conceding the kickouts it shows a lack of confidence in the middle eight to win the dirty ball and be hungry enough to win it but when you're not pressing and you're not risking that turnover it takes the supporters out of it as well because when you're pressing a kickout and there's a chance of a turnover obviously one side is very nervous and you can feel the the tension and the other fight and the other supporters that are pushing they can they can smell blood and they it gets gets a crowd into it when you're pushing up but if you're sitting back and you're leaving a fella pick it out and like we talked about earlier, that slow pedestrian build up because you're only dropping off trying to condense the pitch it's sucking the life out of the game whereas I just think like football sport is about being brave and um, but too much of the game at the moment about containment, right? We condense the pitch here and we'll give them no space to go into. They'll go back and forth.
1: They'll make a mistake and kind of living in, living in hope. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's all pretty interesting, I guess, as a final talk column. Listening to you guys, um, there's just no outstanding team out there at the moment so you know we talk about an open championship I saw Maliki over the weekend said when you say it's an open championship that's a euphemism for there's no outstanding team and we're we're kind of picking holes and everybody at the moment is where we are
0: yeah I I think that's exactly where we are Joe myself and Darren were speaking beforehand people's perception are changing on teams week in week out because we're seeing teams so often here and that will probably continue on over the next couple of weeks but uh it's so so open, Joe. It's yeah. literally it's impossible to call a winner at the minute. You yeah. know, you can look at every team at the minute and pick faults in, in their games, you know what I mean, in their in their teams, in their in their panels. Um from qualifying onwards, I think that's only when we're really gonna know where the big teams are at. Yeah. So we're still shadow
1: boxing. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> we nearly did the full show without it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple of more weeks <laughs> of shadow boxing. We're almost there, fellas. Um thank you both so much. Cheers. Colin Boyle, thank you. Darren O'Sullivan, cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks, lads. There you go. Colin Boyle, uh, formerly of Mayo. Well, still of Mayo, of course. And uh, Darren O'Sullivan of Kerry. And Gaelic Football on Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. You can check out hashtag the toughest for more. Gaelic Football on
0: Off the Ball. With AIB. Proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more.